Please do turn with me this morning to John's Gospel, to chapter 17. Our text is the single verse, but some truths around it in verse 17. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Our title is simply Sanctified by Thy Truth. Christ is teaching through his prayer. Yes, it's a prayer, it's a conversation with his heavenly Father, but it's recorded for chiefly our benefit. And in and through this prayer, he has three main requests. Just to remind you, We've thought about the first two, we come to the third today. That his people might be kept, kept, kept from evil. That's what he has said here in verse 15. But that thou, the Father, should keep them from the evil. Sometimes when life gets hard, When people have been unfair and cruel and unjust, we sometimes wish we had wings like an eagle and that we could fly and we could rise above even to heaven. But that's not the prayer. In verse 15 he says, not that we should be taken out of the world and escape, but that we should be kept from the evil. God wants us to be in this world, but not of it. That's the great problem. We are of it. We're tainted. We are impacted. We are impressed by the world. It makes its stamp upon us. Love not the world, nor the things of the world. Romans 12 verse 1 says we shouldn't be shaped, conformed, molded by this world. And so the Lord prays that we will be kept. That's the first prayer request. Kept securely. Kept from being influenced and shaped. Taking on board the world's agenda. No, he wants us to be kept. The second prayer request, we've thought of it, is that we would have his joy. I quoted it on Thursday evening. Many of you weren't here. Thomas Watson said, and I quote it again, the two great struggles he had as a pastor was he struggled to make the sinner sad and he struggled to make the saint glad, joyful. We should be the very opposite. Christ wants the sinner to mourn for the sin and us because we fall into sin. But he also wants the saint, his chosen people, to be glad. And that's the second prayer request, that we would be joyful Verse 13, that we would have Christ's joy even amidst the sadness and the sorrow of Calvary. He wants us to know the joy that he had. Joy that he was doing the Father's will. That's the greatest joy. 
Not the bubbles and the Coca-Cola joy that people have in some churches worked up, an effervescent joy that's got no substance. What happens to Coke and Pepsi if you leave it to the following morning? It's still all the bubbles have gone, but not the Lord's joy, that they might have my joy fulfilled. It's a permanent joy. Man can't take it away. That's the second request, that we should be kept securely, that we would be joyful with a permanent joy. But here's our subject this morning, verse 17. Sanctify. Is this the most misunderstood truth in the word of God? People often confuse it. Justification and sanctification, and they confuse which lesson they're in. What does it say on the classroom? Not biology or geography, but are we in the classroom of sanctification? Or is the verse speaking about how we are made right with God? That's the error that we fall into. And here in verse 17, the word sanctify is used. And that's our subject this morning, sanctification. And we shall explain it. But here is an anomaly. Look at verse 17. And it shows how people misunderstand what the word sanctification means in two ways. Firstly, we think sanctification is justification, how we get right with God. But secondly, here Christ says in verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself. I guarantee many people reading verse 17 thinks it means to make somebody clean. And it can be used that way. We cleanse, we sanctify a vessel, a plate. But that's not what it means with Christ, for that would be a contradiction. How could Christ say, I make myself clean as though he was unclean? No, it can't mean that. It must mean something else. This is what it means in verse 19. I dedicate, I consecrate, I set myself apart for God. That's what Christ is saying. For their sakes, he's going to Calvary. He's going to die. He's going to be punished for sin that he hadn't done. The sin will be laid upon him by imputation. Not that he'd done it, but that the punishment of my sin had to be laid on Christ. And he is dedicated to that task. He's consecrated. He's had that sight, Calvary, in his mind from the time that he was born into human flesh, he's known that that was his main task. And you know, it's almost as though the work is done. That's what he said earlier. The work 
that I was allocated to do has been finished. It's as good as done. And so we wrongly think that sanctification means only to cleanse and to make pure. There, there are two uses of the word. When it comes to Christ, it can't mean to cleanse and to make holy. It must mean to set apart and to dedicate. Well, what does Christ say? You can look up the reference. Don't need to turn to it. Hebrews 13, verse 12. Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. That's why he was going to Calvary, to sanctify us. He set himself apart so that we can be set apart and so that also we can be cleansed and made clean before God. Well, in what sense is Christ sanctifying himself? He's going to go voluntarily. Sanctification is voluntary. You are never coerced. You're never pressured. The work of sanctification is a partnership. You and I are involved in being set apart and being made like Christ. We need to be committed to this task. We need to be like Christ, not to turn away from it. We remember that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities willingly. The punishment for our peace was on him. And by his stripes we are healed. Now don't get me wrong. We don't have to be punished to be made set apart for God. But we do have to be committed. We do have to be involved. We do have to be willing to be sanctified. Let's consider the words of Hebrews 2. Consider him. He is our pattern. Go back to verse 19. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they might be sanctified. And I think what this verse means is Christ's example of dedication, consecration, even to the cross, is how we should live our Christian life. Consider him, it says, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Consider his setting apart. How often Christ was found alone, praying, set apart. Don't think that the Christian life won't have its times of loneliness, its times of being only with our God. That's the way Christ was as he was coming to Calvary, set apart for us. Think of his consecration to the task. He didn't take his eyes off Calvary. 
we shouldn't take our eyes off the cross. That's the great problem, isn't it? We look elsewhere for help. We're like Simon Peter when he was walking on the water. We look down. We don't look at Christ, but Christ had his eyes on the cross. And in the hour of temptation, he didn't deviate. He didn't hesitate. He went to the cross willingly, knowing that he must go through with that work. In the hour of temptation, when you are tempted to sin, what will you think of? Will you be set apart for him by having your eyes on Christ and the cross and the cost of your sin being put upon him? That's the example. Think of his willingness. They didn't have to push him, shove him. Every step he went forward. Let us go forward, he said. We should be the same in our life, going forward for Christ with our eyes upon him. Consider his obedience. He had human feelings. If it could be possible, could the cup pass from him? He felt the pain. He knew the suffering. And yet, all for love's sake, he says, nevertheless, not my human feelings, not my human will, but thy will be done. That's sanctification. Living according to God's will, set apart for him, dedicated to go through with the task. Well, let's think firstly this morning in this text, sanctify them through thy truth. What is our need for sanctification? You see, we live in the world, and every day, even though we're saved, if we're believers in Christ, we're still sinners. We still fall. We still live according to the ways of this world. In the Old Testament, the word sanctify, the way it's used, means to shine, to stand out, to be seen for our cleanness. It also means to be cut off and separated. You think of the Lord's Day. Remember the Lord's Day to keep it holy. Same word, sanctify, to make it cut off, separate, distinct, known to be different, not commingled with the rest of the week. Sanctify it, make it holy. That's what the word means in the Old Testament, to shine to cut off. In the New Testament, it means something similar but slightly different, set apart, sanctified for God's use and God's purpose. If you just turn to John's Gospel, the only ever ref other reference that John uses in his writings, John 10, 
and verse 36, you get more of the meaning here. John 10 and verse 36. This is Jesus speaking. He says in verse 36, Say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world. This one has been commissioned, sent for the Master's use. Let's read the whole context. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said, Ye are gods. If ye call, if he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world. He's speaking of himself. They've accused him of blasphemy. He can't do that. He's come from the Father. He's been sent into the world. He's been set apart for his ministry. His ministry at the cross. So that's the New Testament use of the word. Old Testament, shine, cut, set apart. New Testament, consecrated, dedicated for the Lord's use. You see, we get the meaning wrong. We tend to think, I need to be sanctified means I need to be made more holy. That's not really the use of the word. So why do we need to be consecrated, sanctified? Well, did you know, just as an aside, how often the word sanctify, sanctified is used? 244 references in the word of God. Some churches teach that we can be made perfect. They're called the holiness movement. We can attain perfection so that we will no longer sin. It's partly what Charles Wesley wrongly taught. That's not scriptural. Why does the word of God mention so often if we are made sanctified never to sin again. The fact is, we do sin. We do fall. We have our besetting sins, or as the Puritans used to call them, our darling sins. The sins that we go back to again and again because we still have the old nature. So, the Word of God says we need to be sanctified to fulfill the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. That's the first reason. It's God's will that we should be progressively made more and more set apart for him. And if that happens, we will be made clean and holy. Secondly, we need to reflect the Saviour. The Saviour was sanctified. The Saviour was set apart. The Saviour had his eyes on Calvary. And for our sakes, we're to follow his example. Thirdly, how can we ever be useful to the Saviour? 
if we've still got one foot in the world, if we do what the world does, if we live the way the world lives, if we have the agenda that the world lives, if we have the pleasures and the enjoyments of the world. No, we're to be different, set apart, consecrated for him. We need to be, as it says of Paul in 2 Timothy 2.21, a vessel unto honour, sanctified and meet for the master's use. Here am I, just a vessel, and I need to be set apart as the instruments and vessels were in Old Testament worship. They had to be cleansed and then set apart only for Old Testament temple worship. And that's the picture that Paul uses, a vessel unto honour, sanctified and suitable meat for the master's use. Are you such a vessel? Am I? When you came to Christ, you put your trust in him. You were sanctified in a sense legally, positionally. God didn't view you anymore as a sinner. But that process of making you more and more like Christ had only begun. Sanctified, meet for the master's use. There's another sense. We need to be sanctified as a witness to this lost world. What good is it? If I go and witness in the street, I speak to my neighbor, colleague, and they say, but you're a hypocrite. You don't live as a person who God has transformed. You live the way I live. You've got no power over sin. Your speech isn't seasoned with salt. They probably wouldn't say this. But that's what they're thinking. What good is it? There will be no power in witness. There will be no usefulness for the Saviour until our lives are distinct, separate, set apart for the Master. Well, in John 15, you don't need to turn to it, you know it, the Lord speaks of pruning. We're like trees. He says that if our Christian lives don't have the fruit that he intended, that he wants, that he looks for, he will come to us and a branch will be lopped off. What's that branch in your life that bears no fruit? Some department, some part of your life, some day of the week? Nothing for the Lord. Are we always looking to be fruitful for him? Is there some character flaw? And up until now, you've not allowed the Lord to have fruit for him. He desires to make us more and more fruitful, more set apart for him. John 15, verse 2. There's another reason we need to glorify God. It's only in and through our lives as we are made more like Christ, 
that we glorify our Heavenly Father. And you know, as we go back to our text, how are we to be kept in this world? We're to be kept by being sanctified. We're kept from the evil. That's what it says of the world. Verse 15, these three prayer requests, they all reinforce one another. We're to be kept. If we're kept from evil, we will have joy. If we have joy and we're kept, we are being sanctified. Well, that's our need for sanctification. What's the means? And the means is so very clear. In verse 17, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Sanctification in its entirety can't be instant because the word of God is only understood over time. We're so slow to believe. We have to relearn and learn again lessons. And the chief way in which we will be sanctified is through the word of God. In fact, it's the main way. Sanctify them through God's truth. This is what's happening in my life. Satan lies to me. He says, touch that. Have that. Look at that. Live that way. And at the same time, God's truth, his promises, they come the other way. And they counter, and they outweigh the lies of Satan. As Satan corrupts me with lies, God's truth sanctifies me. Step by step, day by day. That's why we have to read the word of God day after day, as often as we can. And through the ministration of the Holy Spirit, that truth is applied to my heart. When I'm tempted to sin, that verse comes back to me. That thought of adding to Christ's suffering on the cross. Do you know whenever you hear and feel the impulse of the Holy Spirit through the word of God and in your heart, you must respond to it. Do you ever feel the need to pray? Make sure you pray. Don't let anything stop you. That's the Holy Spirit saying to you, you need help. You need my word. You need help in this situation. Ask for help. Pray. But so often, when that impulse comes, we don't pray. We don't seek help. And so we fall into sin. That's the primary means. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them holy. Make them dedicated to me through the truth of God's word. He's already prayed that they might keep God's word, that they might receive God's word, and then keep it now. He prays that the truth of God will make us Sanctify. That's the first means. Secondly, 
We have the means of grace. The Roman Catholic Church reverses the order. It says, through the sacraments, confession, holy communion, the rosary beads, we're made clean. No, no, no. What does the Lord pray? Through the truth of God's word. That's the chief means, yes? Prayer, the Lord's table, the prayer meeting, the other means of grace, they can be very helpful, but the chief means above everything is the word of God. That's how we are sanctified. There is a third means. We call this the providential sanctification, and this is how it works. Something happens in my life. I wouldn't have chosen it. I have to leave a church. I have to separate from somebody that's caused me great harm and grief. It's caused great sadness. And the means of providence, the fact that the Lord allows illness, difficulty, trial, it drives me to the Lord. It drives me to understand the truth of his word, to trust it, to believe it, to take hold of it. And so that providential dealing, sometimes for good, sometimes what we call for bad, but the Lord meant it for good. It drives me to him. The psalmist says this, Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. You know, when you struggle, when you have anxiety, and when you don't feel right, you feel that people don't understand you, and you have to go to the doctor, say, help me with this and that. Shouldn't these things drive us to the Lord? It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I had a difficulty, an illness, a struggle, a trial, a temptation, because it humbled me as a proud man to see my weakness. And as somebody that didn't know the word of God, it drove me to my knees to pray to learn the truth of God's word. That's another way. God's word above everything, because that's sure. Sometimes we can misread our circumstances. That's why it comes third. And then the secondary means of grace, the sacraments, those other means of grace. Three ways in which the Lord primarily seeks to sanctify us. So let me ask this question in closing, our third heading. What progress are we making in this lifelong process of sanctification? You say to me, but I've died to my old nature. Somebody said to me a few weeks ago, I don't need to be sanctified, Pastor, because I'm now right with God. And my old nature is dead. That's not what the Apostle Paul says. 
He says we have to keep on putting to death, mortifying the old nature. If you're like me, the old nature keeps on rearing its ugly head. If you were a person that had a problem with lying, you might still be tempted to tell a half-truth, to exaggerate. If you're a person that has a problem with the eyes, that problem will always be with you. You just need to deal with it with the Lord's strength and help. So there is two parts for us to think of in what we call progressive sanctification. There is the putting to death. That's the negative. Again and again, I've got to put out, put away, take off the old man, the old life, the old nature. Mortification, as we call it. Putting to death. Dealing again and again and again with the old life. But then, as we considered in Colossians, there is the putting on. That's altogether more positive. Putting off, putting on. This is the biblical picture of sanctification. And I need to do it again and again and again. Putting on Christ. He's like a garment. He covers me. His character. His garments. There is the putting off. There is the putting on. How are we doing? Are you making progress? Am I making progress in sanctification? John Owen, the great Puritan, said this. Sanctification is a slow process. It's like the growth of trees. You come back the next day and you don't see very much. Daily we notice little change. But over time, that great change takes place. Another ring on the trunk of the tree. Another season of leaves to come and to go. So with sanctification. We're like a tree planted by the water. And sometimes sanctification can seem very slow. Sometimes the leaves come out in just a few weeks and we notice what a change, what a glory when we take on Christ and the outer clothing is seen. The spiritual graces Kindness, love, self-control, Galatians chapter 6. Do we have that? How are you progressing in your life of sanctification? Pastor, I've always had that problem. No. Deal with it. Your besetting sin, my besetting sin, the things I go back to, put them off. And put on Christ. You notice where we began. We began in verse 19 deliberately. And for their sakes, their sakes, I sanctify myself. 
I set myself apart. I put my eyes on Calvary. I won't deviate. I focus only on finishing the work. And so he is our example. If you struggle with your besetting sins as I do, follow Christ's example. Look at him. Look at his lack of deviation. Look at his taking away every distraction. Look at the fact that his joy came from Calvary. Not all the entertainments and pleasures of this world. His joy was set before him. And in that way, he was sanctified. There was no sin to be taken out of his life. There was no cleansing. He didn't need to be made holy. He was holy. And so for us, who do need to be made holy, we follow Christ's example. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also... I'm being sanctified, set apart for this task, but they also might be sanctified through the truth of Calvary. Do you know the most sanctifying truth in the Word of God is to look for Christ on every page and see him promised and see him fulfilled and see him yet to come. Sanctification is in the past when I came to Christ. It's in the present now, when I think of Christ. And it's in the future, when I will be with Christ. Isn't that what this says? Sanctify them through thy truth. What is the highest truth? Jesus Christ and him crucified. If you want to be set apart for him, think much of Christ. Think much of Calvary. That should be the dominating truth in your life. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Christ is in all the scriptures. All the scriptures speak of Christ. And so this is really saying, be sanctified by Christ. Let's close our worship.